You're listening to Radio Influence. All righty, what's happening? How's everybody? How you be? I am Rock Rowley, and this is the Rock Stops here. A-listers, that's what I try to give you. Last week was Brent Hatley, entertainment business with the Howard Stern Show, Bubba the Love Sponge. Today we are back on the baseball beats. He was a slugger in Japan. He was an MVP. He could hit the home runs. He came back to the country, played for the Florida Marlins, started his career. The New York Yankees came from Cuba, six years old, landed in the Miami area, and now a broadcaster. He worked at ESPN. Currently, he is an analyst. He breaks it down baseball-wise on Rays broadcast. I almost said Devil Rays. Oh, my God. Uh, what's going on? But anyway, uh, that's what we're going to do. A little lengthy, but you know, he's got great stories, especially going over to Japan. He wants to go back there one day and manage. That's what he wants to do. And he will do it. Uh, very interesting. He can speak several languages. He's intelligent is all get out. And he's just a good dude. Uh, I've known him for years now, and I just is one of those things where you just connect. He's just a, you know, you know when you know when you when you know when you know you see somebody you're like, man, you just connect and just like good person, good person, solid person. We've been through ups and downs. I got a divorce. I know he was uh, got one at one time. Yeah, uh, kids, and you're trying to make it through all that. He's had a few uh, family uh, the health issues. You know, I almost didn't make it about a year ago with an operation came through and we're all just trying to make it. That's all we're trying to do. We're trying to stay healthy and just try to live life without further ado. He's a home run champion. The one, the only Arrestus Destrade. Enjoy. Oh, Ronnie, I am with the legendary, the great, the great, Orestes Destrade. Orestes Destrade, how? You do good. You do pretty good. You, you, you must be, uh, you, there must be the European in you, you know, from, from, from Riley, uh, which uh, I believe is Irish, <laughs> as they come. Uh, O'Reilly, but uh, Destrade. It's actually Destrade. Uh, coming up. It was always, you know, people said the straight or the strata because of Eric Estrada. Sure, so, sure. But I'll, I'll take it anywhere I can. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, most know you now as, you know, broadcaster. And, and in the Tampa, this is everywhere, but in the Tampa Bay area, you've been doing it for quite a few years as yes. an analyst. Now it's called Bally's. But what a baseball career that you had, and especially in Japan. Yes. And I want to start, first of all, how, how you doing, though? I mean, you, we've been making right. it through, making it through. Yeah. Health issues with the family, right? And, that was. Uh, it's been, it's been um, most, um, you know, frustrating. There's been some health issues with the family. Um, but we're getting through that. I mean, without, you know, getting into all that uh, sure. particulars. But, you know, you realize at any age, but especially when you're getting older and you have kids uh, that, that um that's the most important thing, you know, it's more important than it's priceless. Uh, when they, when they talk about things, you know, commercial is about priceless, your children, then your own, your own, you know, health, obviously you worry about your, your, your elderly parents, but that's a circle of life situation. So, uh, the circle right now is for, for my kids to, to get better or my child, my one child. And, uh, he is, we're, we're, we're travailing through this. And, uh, and then other than that, you know, I'm, uh, 
you know, I'm okay. And I've enjoyed um, what this last year was uh, the 11th year, you know, of being involved wow, with, with I didn't Fox realize that long now, yeah, man. Yeah, it was, uh, it was right around, t- the, it started with the Spanish uh, broadcast in 2010. And then kind of, you know, when, when they brought in the real, you know, pre and post by 12, but even in 11, I was doing stuff for them. So, yes. you know, the infamous, uh, you know, 162 year. That's it. That is it. All right. So I don't want to go too detailed, but I do want to go back. And I know that you came from Cuba. You were yeah. young, like six years old. You ended up in South Florida. You were Coral Gables High School. You played baseball. Well, you mean, it was actually uh, Coral Park. Oh, I'm sorry. Coral, Coral Park. 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 Coral, yeah. Park. Yeah. Coral Park. And then Columbus. So I actually went to two high schools. I went to Coral Park. but graduated from Columbus, which is uh, an all-boys Catholic school. I'm very proud of, of that that school and uh, and. Uh, Miami was a, was a great experience, you know, and then I, then at 18, um, I could have either signed with the angels that drafted me, but, 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 um, um, got drafted a little lower than expected. I had a really good junior year and, and then I hurt with, you know, my, my knee, my left knee, which I just had surgery on recently. Oh, by the way. (laughs) So I guess that left knee has been bugging me since I was 17. Uh, and it finally got to me. Um, but, but, uh, it slowed me down a little bit in the early part of the senior year. So I didn't have, you know, as dramatic a senior year as I had a junior year, which was really big. I see. And, and, uh, so yeah, the scouts were down on me a little bit and, and I, I did, I think the best thing that could ever have happened, which was go away from, from home at 18 with my best friend Lorenzo Fernandez and and come up and but not too far away you know so I went to Tampa Florida to a little Christian junior college uh, next to uh, USF uh, University of South Florida and uh and 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 it was close enough that we would go home for the weekends and but far enough where I could kind of flap my wings and uh with with the di- with the must the incredible pressure that there was in Miami baseball during the 80s and stuff um, growing up there, you know, you, you had you had some monsters that were coming out, you know what I mean? Sure, so every sure. every little league, every high school, every league was full of, of, uh, of a lot of pressure. I think it, it, it affected me when I was 14, 15, 16, 17. And getting up here and kind of not being known, I flapped my wings and boy did I. I hit 23 home runs in, in, in 56 games, which was the, it stood as the, the Juco State of Florida record for, for many years, for, for 20, 30 years, I think. I think somebody broke it recently. But uh, other than that, that, that's where I got really noticed. And, and then the Yankees picked me up. All right. Interesting. Because it was Florida. It's called uh, Florida College. Florida yeah. College. And I'm yeah. like, okay, how the heck do you go from Florida College to having the career in baseball that you did? All right. You're hitting. You're hitting. The Yankees draft you. And then it was, it was several years in the yeah. minors, right? Right, sure. right. Oh, to make it to the show, right? Yeah. Well, you know, it was interesting because uh, mine was a was a career that I felt what hit every part of uh, success and frustration. You know what I mean? Uh, everything that you have to do in order to finally be successful. Uh, I think I experienced it, you know what I mean? Um, even including the amateur years, like I said, you know, I, I had an injury that kind of set me back my, my junior year. And then, and, and then you go away and you figure things out and, and you come out smelling like a rose. At the time, I thought I came out smelling like a rose because I signed with my storied, famous team that I loved. I came out of the womb a Yankee fan. Oh. All my family was were either in New York or in Miami, Yankee fans. They were Yankee fans since Cuba. They were Yankee fans. 
Uh, why? Probably because of communist Cuba. When you think about it, what's more Americana than Yankees and Cowboys? <laughs> so our favorite baseball teams, the Yankees, our favorite football teams are the Cowboys because, you know, you, you, you want the um, Americans because uh, the I other see. is the red state, you know, the, the, the red situation with the communists. Yes. So, so bottom line is this. Um um, I, I, I ended up signing and the, the, the good and bad was Yankees this is great within, you know, by the next spring, not that year, because I signed in June, uh-huh. the following big league camp, I wasn't by the big league camp. I was, a, I was a, a big you know prospect for them. And I realized who I just signed with <laughs> at that point. Cause sure, the, but that summer sure. I, I went to, to, uh, Paintsville, Kentucky and and kick butt. I I, I led the, the the Appalachian League in home runs. We won the championship. In fact, here's a little cute, cute little uh-huh. uh, tidbit. In 1981, there was a strike. Remember, yes, a baseball strike. Yes, early in the season, the 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 the, the player association struck, and no games for several weeks. Well, when they restarted the games later that summer, um, teams did something pretty cool. They they gathered. Um, their top players from all their minor leagues and made little teams and played a couple of games against their big team. I against their major never league. knew yeah. that. Uh, and so they flew in these guys. Several teams did it, not all of them. Yeah. Yankees were one of them. And here I am in the middle. I signed in June. By July, I'm crushing this league. And I can't remember what time and date that was. I want to say it was late July when they re- restarted playing. Uh-huh. And... I'm flying to New York at 19 to play along with A-ball, double-A, and triple-A guys uh, to play against the New York Yankees. At Yankee Stadium? At Yankee Stadium. Oh, my God, man. That wasn't the first time I hit a Yankee Stadium, by the way. But I'll tell you that story in a quick second. So I go over there. And we played two games. Uh, you know, Gidry started the first game. I was I was at first base. Uh, I had a double off of Gidry uh, wow. in that oh, game, and uh, it was cool, man. You had Greg Nettles, and you had you know Reggie, and then Winfield, and they were all you know getting back into into the group because the the regular season was going to start again. And um, that was neat. And we played the second game. Rudy May, I remember, started that one. And you know, they mixed in a bunch of different other pitchers. Uh, it was a, it was, it was a blast. You know, we all went back to our respective sure. minor leagues. But I got to show you my wares the there. I got a couple of hits. I went like two for four in that nice. little thing. Nice. Um, but before that, yes, earlier in June, just maybe two months before that. I was in Yankee Stadium. I wasn't going to sign. When the Yankees got me, I wasn't going to sign. Uh, I was going to stay in college. I loved my my, my year at, at, at Florida College. That's great. And, and uh, I was either going to stay one more year at that JC uh-huh. or I had all the big big boys after me, you know, yeah. uh, Florida State, you know, Florida, and obviously my beloved University of Miami. Uh-huh. But um, Fred Ferrara was the agent, was the, um, excuse me, the, the scout of the Southeast area. He's a very known scout. And Fred calls my parents' house. This is uh, in, in mid-May. You know, we just finished. I just finished uh, finishing second in, in, in the state JUCO tournament to uh, Dade South. Wow. South or North? I can't remember. You know, at that point, there was yeah, three. Yeah. There was yeah. three days, remember? And uh, one of them beat us. And they went on, and they ended up being uh, the national champions that year in, 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 in Michigan. They were that good. Well, I had hit a home run in left-handed in one inning. In the same inning, I hit a grand slam right-handed in the same inning. 
That kind of put me over the top. That was my twenty fourth <laughs> and twenty fifth so. home runs of that of that season in fifty something games. So I crushed that 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 league. Uh, in fact, there was guys like Jordy Reed was in there. Uh, Glenn Davis f- finished with eighteen home runs that year. Wow. I, I, you know, I, I surpassed Glenn. So out of the blue, what was going on a little bit in the early eighties <laughs> was almost like uh, recruiting in college football or basketball, if you will. They were bringing the kids to the stadiums to the to the campuses so george tells fred mr steinberg goes get him and his family up to new york i know he's not you know he doesn't want to sign but how about you fly on to new york i had just turned 19 mr ferrara calls and says uh i know you're kind of iffy and you're probably gonna go back to college but mr steinberg would like to fly you up and and meet you and and maybe have you practice with the yankees so i flew up to yankee stadium with my parents and my brother and down to the tunnel, down to, you know, and there's, you know, uh, all the Yankee guys. 1981, Manley hadn't even gotten there yet, you know. He was in double-A kicking it. He I played with him in that in that, in that that uh, thing, in the All-Star game, gotcha. my minor leaguers. So I get dressed, you know, Bobby Mercer, man, may he rest in peace. Uh, the guy that, that was so good to me throughout my career. Uh, Roy White. Another guy that was so good to me, even when I went to Japan, and we'll talk about Japan yes. in a minute. And uh, Winfield, who's still my friend, I could call him right now. Uh, Reggie, Nettles, Guidry. And, and I'm getting dressed in my little corner. I go out there, man, and when I can, with my turn to hit, I crank it. I look up, and there's a guy in this blue blazer with this turtleneck standing with his arms crossed looking down. And I go, well, it must be Mr. Steinbrenner. I've You're seen him on TV. Bumps, the I've boss. seen him on TV. Watching He's the boss you. watching. <gasps> I crank it, right side, left side. Mercer looks at me and goes, Kid, hold out for $250,000. <laughs> there hadn't been a guy signed for $250,000 at that point in time. <sighs> the biggest signing bonus was like two hundred and twenty, dollars and it wow. was by the Yankees. Wow. And you know who it was? At that point in time, in 1981, was the- Rex Hudler signed. Uh, uh, because he was going to Notre Dame to be a, st- a stalwart wide receiver at Notre Dame. Oh, I didn't and we're that. talking Notre Dame in the 80s, right? Yeah, so it was yeah. like Dan Devine oh, and, and all oh, that all oh, that era oh, of like, oh. you know. Uh, and he was an incredible, well, Rex was an incredible athlete. And uh, and the Yankees said, no, no, what's it going to take? And it was, the, he ended up signing for 200 Twenty something thousand dollars, oh which would be like you know, now? like eight million dollars now. You know, the, the yeah, yeah. so I go upstairs at that point in time that offered me forty five thousand dollars to sign, and I was like, I'm not going to sign. Right, and I was told by other people that you know, no, I mean because college is sure thirty forty thousand dollars a year. Sure, I mean, why sure. why would you do that? You right. know, you're, you're, you're you found yourself now. Go to college, keep on kicking ass. And and it'll circle back around, you know. Somebody will sign. So I was ready to do that, but I wanted to take it. I'm a Yankee fan. Remember <laughs> this: if I, if it was Cincinnati, I might have said, uh, "Whoever was the owner of Cincinnati, uh, you know what? I'm going to pass on that trip because you guys might convince me to sign." But I don't, you know. But I was a Yankee fan, so to go there and be able to practice with the Yankees, even if they didn't sign me, would would have been. That's all I had in my career. That would have been great. So so um, I practiced. The first day, they don't really even, they're like, we're going to, you're going to practice one more day. The second day I practice again, do really well. And then they come back and go, I know, well, you know, the 45, it's not good, but you know, we're going to offer you, it ended up, ended up being almost 90. So they almost like doubled the offer. Wow. 
So okay. at that point in okay. time, now that's big news. Sure. So I called Lorenzo Fernandez's dad, my best friend that went to college. His father, Chico Fernandez, may rest in peace. He passed away uh, last um, thanks. Uh, well, two Thanksgivings ago. Uh, this will be his second year of, of right around Thanksgiving. So the man was so impactful to me. There was very special people that were Cuban former players that were impactful to me. Cookie Rojas uh, was imp- has always been impactful for me. Um, a guy like uh, Chico Fernandez, who never who, who played up in the big leagues for a brief time, mm-hmm. just a little bit, mm-hmm. had like half a year, mm-hmm. uh, but he was so well known as a as an infield guru coach for the Dodgers for 20-something years, and then the Mets brought him out of retirement for one particular guy, for two particular guys that, who came up at the same time, David Wright and Jose Reyes. They literally brought him out of retirement. Dave Wallace was a pitching coach when he was at the Dodgers, became the pitching coach in the Mets, and he saw these two kids, and he go, you need to bring Cookie uh, Chico Fernandez out of retirement and work with these two guys because nice. they were 18, 19 years old. Wow. And they did. So Chico was exceptional. So I call Lorenzo. It's 1981. He's a coach with the Dodgers. And I and he goes, let me call this friend of mine who's a, who is a, an agent uh-huh. for several of our Latin players. Uh-huh. And he just got some advice from him. He ended up becoming my agent afterwards. Gotcha. But I didn't talk to the guy. I just, yeah. And they said, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. So I signed. I signed for 85. And you get this like other... Uh, seven and a half if you move up like uh-huh. this, these bonuses, which uh-huh. I ended up getting anyway. But uh, it was front page news in Miami Herald. Front page news. Nobody had signed, you know, with the Yankees in that at that amount, and so it was it was um, pretty neat. But then I go to spring training and I realize at the same time they had signed Steve Balboni within the, within a year or two. Steve Balboni, uh, Freddie McGriff, Willie Upshaw. These are all in camp when I showed up. Steve Alboni, Freddie McGriff, Willie Upshaw, a guy by the name of Marshall Brandt who didn't really make it, but those other three obviously each hit 30 home runs at least in one year, if not multiple years in the major leagues. And then this little dude who was an outfielder first baseman that of those five, I wasn't even paying attention to this guy. His name was Don Mattingly. He was like, he was a shorter first baseman. And I go, okay, that guy, I'm not going to worry about him Isn't so much. But 6'5", Balboni, 6'4", Freddie, yeah. uh, 6'6", Marshall Bryant, yeah. and and uh, and the 6'2", uh, Willie Upshaw, the, the, those guys I'm going to worry about. Little something. by little, they traded Upshaw. They traded Freddie. They traded Balboni. Um, they traded Marshall, too, to Oakland. Um and all that was left was me and AAA hitting 25 home runs a year and Don Mattingly in first base. I didn't realize that. And every year, those guys would be nicked away. My agent would be like, when are you training? Oh, we're kind of holding on to I see. I so see. So I was kind of a held-on guy got of, you. That, of that group. I got you. But every, every year, every season that I played at in the minor leagues, I either led the league, definitely my team, in home runs and RBIs, if not the league in home runs and RBIs, and we won. I won at every level of the Yankees minor league system. How about that? I didn't Rookie know that. league, A ball. That's awesome. Double A. That's awesome. Triple A. I won a championship in wow. every level. It's, it's actually hard to fathom and no. think of. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, to, to have yeah, yeah, won yeah. a championship at every level of the minor leagues uh, during your, your tenure. And that was because. The Yankees were just drafting. They were they they went all in 
on 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 talent. Yeah, they really did. I see. They still were spending money on on free agents, but they went only on talent. And then they would they would trade them around and get who they wanted. Got you. And uh, and, and it worked out that way. So the, it, it, my Yankee time, thankfully, Rock. Yeah, I did get called up. Yeah, in nineteen eighty seven. Yeah, after again, I hit twenty five home runs. And uh, and was top. I think I finished second in the league in home run, in home runs and second in RBIs. And uh, um, I got called up. Me, Jay Buner, and who else? A couple other guys got called up. Phil Lombardi, uh, who just passed away, believe it or not, sadly from a brain tumor. Um, got called up in in '87, and um, and I, at least I got you know to to get my first few hits in the major leagues as a as a pinstripe Yankee. Uh-huh. Before you know, getting traded to Pittsburgh, right, and, and moving on. All right, now that that's a great story. Yeah. Now Japan, you had you had so much success. I was looking at your numbers, and you were the home run king. You were the MVP, incredible. But you were relatively young, like so, to make that move. Did you know what Japan? Happened, what what happened? happened was. And it's interesting you say that it was young is, is is that Japan was experiencing a shift in what players they were going to decide to bring over to 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 play. So right before me in in the in the eighties, they were pretty much all they were doing was bringing in the the guys that were pretty much done in the major leagues, right. but a pretty good name, right? Davy Johnson, you know. Bob Horner was a tweener because he wasn't really truly done in the major leagues, but but you know he was kind of kind of done, and and uh, he came over. Uh, Bill Madlock, God, right. um, all these guys that were kind of like you know on their way out. They were giving them a lot of money. They were giving them a million dollars and stuff like that, which is a lot of money in the eighties. Sure. Uh, definitely, major league teams were not going to give them, and and they went over there for a year or two. Did pretty. Eh, really? Uh-huh. They weren't doing a whole lot. And the Yap- Japanese thought that they were going to, even if they didn't do a whole lot, they were going to bring in some some allurement. You know, Roy White went to the Giants later in his career, and it was he wasn't the same Roy White, you know. Um, even though Roy White was more of a fourth outfielder throughout his whole career in the Yankees, 15 years of being a fourth outfielder, but he was a prominent fourth outfielder. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, they probably wouldn't have won some of those championships without Roy. So, um, you know, and he, he talked to me a lot. When he went over there, remember Roy's half Japanese, but 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 raised in, in America and very Americanized. Ah, I but Roy, about Roy, that. Yeah, yeah. Roy that. so so he was a big pickup for the Giants. And then all of a sudden, around the late '80s, they had this thought of, and it was right on point, to bring in Hispanic players to to Japan. Why Hispanic players and and bubble players, as I call them, you know, gotcha. the ones that were. Triple A big leagues, Triple A big leagues, that four A player, if you will. Yeah. And why Hispanic? Because most of them, I really didn't fall in that category because I came over when I was six, so yeah. I was definitely Americanized before. I never lost my Spanish, but but I, it was those guys that come over to America at 16, 17, 18 and have to acclimate to America. I see. Which is a big deal. Whew. They have to learn English. Some of them never do. Yeah. Uh, and they have to, you know, come from, you know, Dominican Republic mostly, Venezuela, Panama, Mexico, you name it. Not so much Puerto Rico because of Commonwealth, but even the Puerto Ricans had to, you know, were struggling, you know, when they came over because they were very Puerto Rican and the language and stuff like that. But most of them 
knew way more English yeah. because of being a Commonwealth of the United States. So they figured smartly that these guys not only were hungry because they're up and down in the big leagues, right? but they're already acclimated to one country and they did great. So why they would probably acclimate to this country. They were 100% right. So if you really look at the, 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 the lineage of, of signings, from the late 80s, including myself and a guy like uh, uh, Bumble Rivera and uh, a few others, it went Hispanic, 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 Hispanic. Interesting, you know, interesting. Dramatically Hispanic. Um, Balbino Galvez and you name it, has um, been Hispanic. And those guys came over and it was like, well, I already did the one, you know, acclimating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then secondly, uh, you're red carpeting me on top of that. It's not like I'm being signed for $3,000 from San Pedro de Macorís and come on, you know, you better make it, you know, like most of the Dominican players in the right. 80s and 90s. Right, You know what I mean? Not everybody's getting signed for 300 or 3 million. Most of them are getting signed for 30,000 and see what you can do. I see. You know, so, I see. so these guys were getting signed for 300,000, half a million when they're making big league, minor league money. Yeah. And remember, I was in the big leagues in, in 87 and 88. Right. And the average was 69.5. Unbelievable. 69.5, where it's jumped on. So I, I, had a, I had a nice contract at 75. So when I was with the Pirates at 75, and I saw that again, I was going to have another season in 89 where I was going to be possibly up and down. Right. Right. Um, I told my agent, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. And in June, in May, Cebu reached out. And several teams were, were interested, but uh, Cebu sounded the best. And uh -huh. and uh, they offered the Pirates like a half. They, they, they gave the Pirates a half a million dollars. Pirates got a half a million dollars for my contract. And, and I got 250 for the rest of the season. Five months left in the season. It's going to be June, July, August, September, October. Right? Well, if you yeah. made the playoffs. So it was uh, June, July, August, September. Yeah, four, four or five months. And I said, so Willie, and my agent's name was Willie. I go, so I sign for two fifty. If I don't like it, I just come back as a free agent. I can sign with whomever I want. He goes, exactly. You could, we could pick the team that makes you know best, which would have been like a Cleveland, got you, you know, a California, a team like right. that that was was be rebuilding, but an American League team where I could DH first base DH. So I have two options of of, of you know of being getting my my five hundred at bats. Yeah, because anywhere that I got five hundred at bats, I was successful. But it's getting the five hundred at bats. And at the major league level, that was not happening. So I go to Japan, and I play their last 83 games. Mind you, Cecil Fielder is in the other league okay. in Japan, and he played in 120 games that year, 125 games, uh -huh. and he had 38 home runs. Okay. I played in 83 games. I had 32 home runs. No. I went nuts. No. Yeah. No. Yeah, I was so hungry. Did you? Okay. I was so hungry. It was be hunger, and was it, did, when did you I know? I studied. The pitch? Oh, you I studied. studied. You studied. Okay. I had them send me tapes. Oh. Uh, I was 27 years old. So here's another thing you said about the age. Yeah. Um, I went there. I just turned 27, and I felt like, first of all, in baseball, 27 through 31 or two, is the premier time in Major League Baseball. It, it just is. Uh, you'll get the 22-year-olds the that we're seeing now. Yes. Uh, they they might have moved the age a little bit uh, with some of their, you know, things that are going on, and I can't really pinpoint what it is, uh -huh. but you're seeing a lot more younger yeah. talents. But I've always found that 26, 27 to around 31 uh, is because you've got 
several thousand at bats in, under under your belt. See, so you've you've either gotten you know minor league plus major league at bats under your belt. So by the time you get there on 26, 27, you know what a pitcher's trying to do to you, what ah, a team is trying to do to and you. And physically, you're being And then physically, your strength, you're, you're not beat up. I yeah. see. Physically, you're primed. You're, you're as strong as you're going to ever be at around 27. So you peak, and then 31, 32, physically, you start. That's the demise. You know what I mean? And uh, whether you like it or not, you start, you've played so many games that your body starts breaking down. Yes. Uh, whether you like it or not. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it is. And, and guys are doing more and more and more greater things now. Uh, better training, better diet. A guy that's signing now for, for 40, 50, 100, 200 million dollars, they have dietitians. They have their own dietitians. Why not? Right? So you're hiring a guy that you're paying a few thousand dollars, you know, a year to tell me exactly what to eat right, that's going right. to better my 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 skeleton and and my muscle tone and and more importantly my cartilages so they don't break down so that's what you're seeing with today's athlete in any sport yeah oh no doubt and i just come from the bucks and see brady all the time and oh my yeah, god it's, he's, it's he's un- oh he right, carries right. this water hydro flask wherever even when they right. went to the white house he everything nutrition right. he's got his guy right there it's on the field huh? on the field right. oh, it's, it's unbelievable it's un- unbelievable and that guy, i don't i don't know him uh but he he he's just physically he's just in another he's in another level right the, he's 42 uh, years old I, uh, 44 44 44 and God he's he's, he, oh, he's number one in all these categories and one of the guys from ESPN I told this story on another podcast his name is Jeff Darlington he's ESPN he come fly down here he got a one on one with Brady it was prior to the uh, Patriots game it was all set up and he finished the interview he went on Rich Eisen and he goes I'm sitting across from him and I'm looking at him and I'm like, oh, he seems like a really regular guy, but you realize he knows exactly, uh, he's thinking ahead, he never says yeah. anything controversial, you know, like a jeter. Right. But he goes, I left there and I go, that was Babe Ruth. Right. That was Babe right. Ruth. Right, right, right. And, right. and like that you said, yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah, you he's said. in another league though. And now, I think you're going to see guys play into their late 30s no, but he's, and he's, be competitive but he's, and be good. He, he's different. But he's in a no. different level. His family, his wife and the kids, they leave 24 hours. They leave the mansion so that he can concentrate right. for at least a whole day and night on the upcoming game. They leave the house. They completely leave. <laughs> they it's completely not leave. like he no, goes, no, no, no. He goes no, to a leave. wing no, and he no, goes, no, no, hey, no. don't bother My wife me. goes to the house. So bad. How did, how did, how did, yeah. But anyway, and, and you know cow. what? So, oh, you mentioned um, yeah, food. That's one of the other things. Yeah, you can you can dominate the pitching, and maybe yeah. it's not bringing it as much strong or whatever. Maybe they don't have four or five guys in rotation. But some guys go over and can't assimilate no. to the culture. Right. To the were you able to do that? I, you know, here's what was happening. It's funny because those guys like uh, Mike Marshall. Remember Mike Marshall? Not I, the pitcher, the, the oh, outfielder. Oh, oh, right. Okay, the outfielder who was who had a couple of good years in the big leagues, and then he fell out of worth or whatever, and and he went to Japan. And, uh, and, uh, he, uh, he was complaining a lot. He was complaining a lot. He was playing for a cross town team I in see. Tokyo. I see. And so I, I was getting you? a little upset to be oh, honest with you oh, because really? I was like, don't complain about Japan, you know, because I already have been there a couple of years. And I remember I would always, you know, try to ingratiate with the other foreigners. And he was like, oh, because, you know, uh, my wife is making me my, my soup and stuff because I, I don't, I don't like the food here. And, and, uh, I remember thinking, what are you making here? You know, oh, two million. I go if if you're, you know, there must be a situation where the major leagues are not going to pay you two million dollars. So, so you obviously the best you were going to do over there maybe 
a million, if that, right. you know? So how, how could you like be, not, not be appreciative of what these guys are paying you $2 million? You know, at the time I was making about that much and, and I know that I wasn't going to be, you know, making that in the major league. So, um, and, and my team was just great to me as far as the food. They have every kind of food you ever thought of in man, uh, especially if you play in, in, in a Tokyo or in Osaka, uh, which most teams are, you know, right. running around. The best beef, uh, the best, you know, fish, I the best say. chicken. And it's not all sushi. I mean, it's not even sashimi. <laughs> yeah. By the way, sushi is, doesn't mean that it's raw. It means that it's the way you, you prepare it is, is a style. So it could be vegetable sushi. It could be cooked sushi. Um I, I learned to, I, I love the Japanese food. I don't like certain of their raw, you know, uh, delicacies. Sure. And I don't like certain of their other, you know, um, tastes. But there is a slew of not only Japanese food, but at least in Tokyo, which I spent most of my time, Tokyo, Osaka. Yeah. And there's actually another city that was just scrumptious. Uh, it, it, it's uh, uh, where the Die Hawks play. Um, it, it's, it's any... French, Italian. Oh, really? German. Oh. They would have, like, they're available. All you have to ask your team is, like, where would they have a German, you know, uh, place, beer garden? Oh, we have beer gardens over here. <laughs> and you go, and they have strudel. And, and, uh, really? Yeah. It, 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 I so, see. So it's a matter of, like, getting out there. What happened is that, and that was one thing with the Hispanic, I go back to the Hispanic player. Yeah. We, we were very, you know, uh, we would acclimate. Quicker, I see. Because they had to come to the United States. Yeah, Americans are spoiled, man, when they're wasted. Technically, stuff. yes. Yeah. So white and black Americans that were going to 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 play in Japan were struggling. They literally found that those guys struggled in 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 getting accustomed. The ones that got over it quicker, the Tom O'Malley's. Uh, there was a uh, uh, Brian. Uh, what was the other one? Rose, another guy that that he had a, he had like eight nine great years in Japan. Uh, Bobby Rose, guy by the name of Bobby Rose. Okay, uh, those guys had legend, you know, great careers. Tom uh, O'Malley had a legendary career; he was there for like ten years. Uh, Tuffy Rhodes, you know, is the all-time home run, you know, hit, you know, most home runs uh, of a foreigner. It, you know, again, he played like 10, 11 years over there. Uh, Boomer Wells, uh, oh, yeah, I uh, Greg, Greg Wells, yes. big six foot six, you yes. know, brother from Atlanta. Uh, Ralph Bryant, another brother from Atlanta that, that did okay with the Dodgers for a year or two, but he went over there. Um, so again, those are the white and black guys, but predominantly they went Hispanic, still are going Hispanic, 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 and they, it's been a formula for them that's been great. So Now, just real real quickly, and then I want to ask you about ESPN, and then we'll wrap it up, but I, I do want to ask you, so then what was the decision to come back to the States and you play with the Florida Marlins? Right. And, and, and did any of that have to do because you grew up in yeah. Miami and yeah, Miami yeah, too yeah. well? Yeah, okay. I mean, it was uh, the guy that that, uh, that would come from work, you know, tired, and, and would go and we'd jump the fence a couple of blocks from our house, that being my father, and throw BP to me, you know, until I was about 15 when we realized that I might kill him one day with a line drive. Uh, we would jump and and, and and hit in these fence, in these uh, batting cages, but they would always put away or they would lock up the L screen. 
So we were, we, he was pitching to me without an L screen, you yeah. know, when I was 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. And that's how I learned how to pull the ball, I guess, because I didn't want to <laughs> kill my dad. But he'd go, no, hit it up the middle, you know. And my dad would throw his little sidearm, you know, slow stuff. That's and he didn't beautiful. Have, he, didn't, he didn't have a great arm, but, man, he would get up closer. And we'd do soft toss and oh. we'd run. It was for that guy. So I, 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 I had, at that point, four years in Japan, uh, four seasons, three of which I led both leagues in home runs and RBIs. To this day, there hasn't been a foreigner to do that. Wow. To this day. And, and uh, won three Japan Series titles in a row. Was MVP a couple of times. Uh, Tokyo Sportsman of the Year with Midori Ito, the, 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 uh, the, uh, the ice skater, um, the Olympic ice skater. So, you know, Tokyo had become... You were famous. Yeah. It was, you couldn't was walk no down the street. Word, no. I remember when we no, went to the trip with the Devil Rays no, and the Yankees, and I'm walking with you, and people were coming up to you, and oh my God. Crazy. And at that time, they were, were, they got their phones taking pictures? We didn't even have the phone right, picture right, yet. Right, right. And remember I'm like, that? look at this. Look at Arrestus. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't know what I was doing. Nah, but bro. you were, it was, well, it was yeah, great. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but you decided to come it back. It was a great story when, when Rabu came for the Yankees. Yes. And, uh, and I was already done, right? And I'm, and I'm doing stuff, uh, I guess, for the Rays then, maybe. Yeah, I might, might have been I can't already. remember, but I remember you were doing broadcasting. Yeah, doing and still doing broadcasting in Japan, and, too. And, but. Uh, yeah, and, and uh, so Rabu was throwing like his first spring training game. And, and I'm sitting there in the front. And there's Roy, the late Gene Michaels. Man, may he rest in peace. What a good yes, stick. What a great guy. Yes, yes. They've lost a few here lately in yes. the last few years. And um, Gene, Roy, can't remember what's the other scout, and Reggie Jackson was sitting in front of them. And all of a sudden, this camera crew from Japan comes from the bottom and starts filming and they're like, oh, and they're getting all excited. And 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 uh, Reggie turns around and he goes, hey, look, Roy, they, they must have recognized me. They're coming over. He goes, because now, Reg, I don't think they're coming to you. I think they're coming for a big O. <laughs> <laughs> and Reggie goes, what? That's and they the went greatest, right by Reggie. That's the greatest story ever. And they came to me. That's and it. they were like, oh, this is us. And they started talking to me and I stepped away and did a little interview with them. And yes. Reggie was looking back like, yes. Yes. Man, that guy must be really big in Japan. Yes. So Japan was crazy, man. Still is. Still yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, wow. On the bucket list is to manage there one day. And Oh, uh, I didn't know that at all. Yeah, yeah. So I'm... I'm the kids uh, are growing. You know, yeah, last yeah. One. Uh -huh. It's something uh -huh. that... Uh, because of, of understanding their culture, you know, that I learned their language. Sure. You know, so I, I went out of my way, you know, for a myriad of reasons to to assimilate the, the, the Japanese culture, you know, fully. And, and that was in early on. It was like I realized I'd be a better ball player if I understood That's interesting. the situation. That's interesting. And I did. So I would really tutor myself and and have my 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 you know every team has like here you have your 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 interpreter that's twenty four seven on call for you, and and he helped me a lot. My teammates helped me a lot, and uh, and we had a real progressive team. You know, it wasn't old school Japan style. Oh, yeah, I and, see. And, and then as, even after I left, I go. I I, I love this country. It's a part of me. So I continued, you know, studying and, and going back. I mean, yeah. I, I go back every year. This, this, I'm going on two years this November that I haven't been back is the first time. Why? Because of COVID. Uh, oh, so, I didn't know you were still continuing oh, I go, I go back, this I go back long, every year. I didn't know you were still doing that. Every year. I you go back are. for... What do they call you? Don't they call you home, just home run king? Or no, well, I mean, no, they just call me Odesan, you know, Odesan. Odesan, you know. Okay. Uh, okay. And, and, oh, in 18, they, 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 they retired my number and my team 
45,000 people showed up when they averaged oh 30. Oh, my they had God. A I'll show you the video later. Yeah. It was uh, crazy. So, so they gave away an Ode bobblehead. They retired my number. I'm, I'm the only foreigner to ever have had their number retired. And on that, it was, it was a 40th year anniversary of the Sable Lions. So, um, oh my God. Only four people have they retired their numbers of. So, three of them are foreign, are Japanese, and, and myself. Now I see why the camera crew came yeah. to you and not Reggie. Yeah. I, 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 I see that. Crazy. Hey, just real quickly on. But Broadway. then I came yeah. back to, I was going to say, yeah. uh, Miami was a, tr a, a tricky thing yeah. because I was, there you have it, I was loving it. And they offered a two year, $6 million deal to come back for the, you know, the following two years in 93, 94. And Marlins. And Mr. Dombrowski offered a two-year, four million, and um, and I came home, you know, and, and it really wasn't a thought pattern because um, I, I wanted to play in front of my dad, I wanted to play in front of my my, my mom, and uh, that's why. And it was tough. I'm not I'm not saying it wasn't. You know, the fans were hard. Sure, sure, uh, sure. They were expecting you know Cecil Fielder fifty home runs when they don't realize that. First of all, it was an expansion team, so you know I didn't really have a whole lot of guys hitting around me. To Good protect point. Me. Uh -huh. And it wasn't a stadium made for for a power left-handed hitter, which is where you hit most of the times uh, as a switch hitter. You know, so I would have loved to have played in uh, Tiger Stadium when I came back, yeah. <laughs> and my twenty homers and, oh. and, and and you know ninety RBIs would have would have translated into forty and and one hundred and thirty. You know, so. Those are the type of things that, you know, you, don't, you people don't realize. But it's all right because I, I ended up, like I said, any time I had 500 at-bats, I usually, you know, at least led my team in homers and RBIs, and and uh, and I did so in that, that year. So. Now, just really— And I went back to Japan after the strike. Oh, the oh, oh, oh yeah, I, I didn't know that. Oh, I signed yeah, the largest yeah. one-year contract ever. I didn't realize that. Yeah. I just knew we see it. Real quickly, when you get into broadcasting, you work for the worldwide leader. Yeah. You were on Baseball Tonight. They put you out. You were an analyst. I know you did— uh, a lot series, of Little League World Series yeah. and this and that. that. What was the experience like uh, working for the biggest broadcasting company, ESPN? What was that like? You know um, what? It was interesting because I kind of been fortunate to be Hispanic and also fortunate to be uh, articulate and be able to not be afraid to be in the camera and fail and, and you know, rock as well as I do that we don't always hit home runs every time we're in front of the right. camera or right. in front of the mic. Right. But we have to have that availability and, 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 and know that, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll get them next time. So um, that definitely, I have not had a fear of either playing in a major league game or, or appearing in, in, in a broadcast. So um, I'm thankful for my mom for be, being a, a teacher for 45 years that she pushed a Spanish teacher, by the way. She pushed. She's pushed my Spanish. She's pushed education. My brother hired, you know, graduated from UM Law. He's, you know, a smart cat. Interesting. And so our family was very much about sports, but also about education. And I am about both now, and try to do a lot of things in the community uh, per that. But, but the fact that I hit certain timings first, Japan, when they were in this Hispanic movement and realizing these guys probably the best signage and 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 I was a success as were a handful of other guys around me at that period of time then you know the, the gates opened i think i also was in the movement in the early 2000s 
when there was a diversity movement for sure for for ESPN and other networks. Yes. And so I was at the right place at the right time. And and I want to feel that I also was pretty good because I did five years with them. If I was not good, I think I would have done one year with them. You know how quick they oh, cut me. Oh. I mean, even to superstars. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Emma Smith is an example. So I felt like, okay, you know. Uh, but what happened was I had gotten into broadcasting in radio in Miami uh-huh. um, and worked my way into uh, XM radio. And I was doing two shows for XM. I was doing a, a, a morning show. With with with, uh, with Buck Show Walter, right. not Buck Show. With, with, with yeah, uh, yeah with, with, with um, uh, Mark Patrick and and uh, and Buck Martinez, and and I was also hosting by myself a Spanish MLB show oh. uh, called that I created called Solamente Pelota, and it was like from three to six, and it was a lot of fun, and and uh, so XM gave me you know full autonomy to, to do both these things, and. XM asked me to go to this uh, Dallas um, sports broadcasters convention uh-huh. thingamajiggy uh-huh. and say, hey, you might be asked to say a few words on our behalf. I go, no problem. Uh-huh. And I did. And in in the audience was, was Fred Jackson and another gentleman that were like, the, the, the key guys from ESPN at the time as far as hiring and bringing oh, new talent I in. See. And they heard me. And uh, and they came up and they said, hey, have you thought about doing TV? And I go, yeah, I don't know. I mean, at the time, I was really happy doing what I was doing. Right. Uh, the radio and doing these dual shows was getting paid nicely. Yes. And, uh, and they said, yeah, how about we fly you up to Bristol and just test you? So they did. And I popped in on uh, ESPN News, you know. And it was like, they put you on air. They put me on air. They flew me up, I think, mean, a week later, <laughs> and they put me on air, like, okay, how about you just going on? And I just, you know, they said, we're going to be talking about today's games. Here, Here's a rundown, uh-huh. and here's a chachi, and uh-huh. uh, go. And, and uh, kicked it. And next thing you know, uh, they're calling my agent and telling them, you know, they want to sign a two year deal to be on baseball tonight. It was like that without sending one tape. I love it. So, I just love so this story. But I'm you not, took it, but not, you take you know, advantage not, of your yeah, opportunity. Right. Again, again, Some guys you, you, don't. You, you, you don't. Well, the bottom line is that it's not so much taking advantage of it. Anybody would take advantage of that opportunity. It's, kind of, it's like going to New York and practicing in front of, you know, George Steinberg. Uh, it's how you do in that practice. <laughs> no, no doubt. That's if, what if, I mean. You know, you if I want to swung and miss eight times, George would have gone, I don't know if I want to give this guy 90 grand. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and if I would have gone on, you know, ESPN News and not looked at the camera and gone like, yeah. you know, and stopped for... Then they would have said, you know, we're not going to take the chance, you know, at our diversity program needs to happen. And what had happened at that point in time, in the, the Latins that they were putting out there were not very good English speakers. I see. So here's where boy, your guys, education, your background, your exactly. mom comes in. I didn't That's know why that. I kind of kind of come back and go. That's where mom comes in. That's where the education comes in. That's where paying you know attention. To school yes, in. because I wasn't better. For example, Candy Maldonado was used, and Candy's my boy, so he, he won't you know. But you know, for a bit of time, but it didn't last for too long because you know his prowess really was being on ESPN Deportes because he was in Spanish, he's impeccable. But on English, he you know he kind of struggled, and and. Um, and that's where, when they heard and they saw my look being so Hispanic, but yet my English being so 
American, you know. Sure. Uh, boom. Boom. It was all, and 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 I hung out for five years. It was beautiful, and I think it would have been more. What happened, honestly, was that MLB Network came in by around ten. Yeah, and they came in hot and heavy. Yeah, they did. They came in hot and heavy and yep. prepared. Yeah, and Espen uh, decided to you know to ante up, and they brought Buck Showalter in, and they brought um, uh, Dave Winfield in, and you know, so it was either sign me. And keep me along with a few other guys, you know, Eric Young, uh-huh. and uh, they kind of uh-huh. cut some of our. It know, re- yeah, it happened. They didn't that renew happens. us. Uh, Fernando Vino, okay. or Vina, remember the second baseman? They, uh-huh. they, were, they, were, they were good. They were yeah. solid. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and again, a diversity program there because, you know, Eric EY was black and Fernando was, you know, a, a California Mexican American, um, you know, myself. And then, and then what happened with me, it was interesting because they had one of me already and his name is Eduardo Perez. So Eduardo and I came in around the same time. I was a little before Eduardo. Eduardo came in a couple of years after me and they were like, well, you know, we won't resign. Oh, but we got Eduardo. So, right. Isn't you know, that and something? I can't blame him because, you know, and we know him. Fantastic. he's a great guy. He's isn't great. He? And he's great on the air. He's good on the air too. And he's another one that, that, you know, that You're really takes advantage of, of <laughs> he's perfect Spanish yeah. and perfect English. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. And, and he got the schooling. He came over young. He grew up in Puerto Rico and, uh, and, 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 and Eduardo was outstanding. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So I, right. I got, I got, I got cut short a little bit on that one. Yes, you did. Tony yes, Perez you did. <laughs> All right. So, and in the end now you've been here a good over a decade with your raise coverage. You're well liked. You're established in the community. Everyone loves you. You do a great job. The Rays have been a great story. We all really know that. Surprising. Where, where, where do you go from here? Oh, for now. And again, you're trying to take care of your family. So I assume you're going to keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. But what do, what do you think down the road? You I mean, mean, what do you I, think? I, 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 I'm, I can't say that I, I, I don't. I, I love the pre and post show uh, that I do. It, on Bally's. A, a, yeah, I, I, it's fantastic. On Bally's, obviously, it was Fox Sports for a while. I think you guys just got up uh, and nominated for an Emmy. Congratulations. Yeah, I saw Doug we Wechter sure posted that. Yeah. There you go. And so, the gang uh, in I, 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 we, we do a great job. Yep. Um. You know, I, as I told you before, I do have a, a vision of managing in Japan for a few seasons. Not a lot, long time, but... but you want to be, like, you want to put on the uniform again. Yeah, you yeah. want to be and, and in it. Particularly in Japan. In Japan. Yeah. Okay. It's not not okay. here. But it, particularly in Japan, I, I have this desire to to, to climb that mountain of, of, uh, of managing a, a Japanese team. Pre- pre- you know, preferably my team. Sable? Uh, the Sable Lions, but but I'm I'm open. You sure, because I mean? sometimes you just have to, you know, where it comes. But preferably the Sable Lions, uh, and then secondly, it would be a team in and around Tokyo. There's there's like four or five, you know, that are in the Tokyo area. Sure, because uh, I I love that area. But I'll you know I would branch out to Osaka and, and the Kyushu and some other places. But nevertheless, that's that's I I think that's four or five years down the road, uh-huh. maybe you know three or four. Okay, and before that. I, I like what I'm doing now, and uh, I, I do have some other side businesses that uh-huh. I do, real okay. estate, and keep myself, you know, I, you know, kind of moving my monies around a little bit and, and diversifying. You're smart, and I, man. Enjoy, and I enjoy that, you know, and I'm partnered with different people from here to Miami, so and uh, and and those are going, you know, well, solid. 
And, good. And uh, good. But, you know, as far as production wise and baseball true wise, yeah, it, it's a uh, it's a pre pre and post show and and uh, and then it, 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 you know, altruistically, you know, like as far as giving back, I really enjoy just you know working with kids and 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 uh, I do. I'm 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 a, I'm board member with the Major League Baseball Players Alumni Association. So, and we we do you know two or three clinics a month. Uh, nice, all over the place. Nice, uh, Florida. You want to keep the sport yeah. going? Oh, with yeah, the yeah. with the kids, with the kids for sure. And 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 really preach uh, what I preach, which is is to play hard and, and study harder. You know, so it's it's a big. That's awesome. Me, that's know, awesome. Is, uh, that's education. awesome. Because it, it worked for me, man. I mean, the, being out and playing and playing mm-hmm. sports and obviously choosing baseball is my main one, but I mm-hmm. loved golf sports growing mm-hmm. up, as, as I'm sure you did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, you know, the education part ended up being what, you know, was the most important thing for me because it kept me, I wouldn't be doing this. See, you mm-hmm. you, you kind of were schooled for this. Right. Um, I wasn't. I was schooled to... to, to to play baseball and, and practice, but the schooling that I did have gave me enough know-how, confidence, uh, articulate, you know, nature to be able to to jump into broadcasting and and do the things that I'm doing now. I'm not as, you know, schooled as you guys are. You know, Rich Hollenberg, who I work with, uh, you know, a Rock Riley, because you guys really that that was your bread and butter as far as when you were young and, and going to school for this. But enough to to be able to be solid as a color analyst. And, and I love that. You're the best. Yeah. You're the best and you're the best in life. Orestes, oh, I can't. Thank you, buddy. Thank you enough. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Big O. be on with you. Thank and, you. Uh, I'm glad you're healthy. And you I'm glad got we're it. healthy. That's it, my man. All That's right. it. Thank you, brother. Thank you, O. I love those stories, too, about with the Yankees. Can you imagine being a 19-year-old kid and getting flown to Yankee Stadium and taking batting practice uh, with Mr. George Steinbrenner up there with a turtleneck on, staring down, and getting to see these these legends of the Yankees that are there. And, uh, oh, my God. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? You got to take advantage of an opportunity. That's the key. You got to take advantage. If you get an opportunity, doesn't matter what age you are, hopefully you're prepared and he was, and when he flew up to ESPN, they audition you, they put him on ESPN News. He did a great job, and there you go. It's just a great story. So I hope you that are listening, whatever your dream or you're still you're hoping for, I hope you get an opportunity. That's all you need is an opportunity, but you got to be prepared when you get that opportunity. I'll never forget um a long, 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 long time ago, I was a reporter for FNN Sports, and I would go in in New York. I'd take the train in from Jersey. I was living in northern New Jersey, going to New York and do these interviews, whether it was at the Garden or maybe it was a boxing press conference or something big. There was always something going on in New York. And then I would have to feed, but how, no, if it was on the weekends, I would feed at, at Madison square garden or at the empire state building or wherever they had an uplink, uh, or a control room, NBC and 30 rock, you know, you had to do that. Or if it was something that I did during the week, like I did an interview or did a story or did stand up and did voice track, 
I would FedEx it, find a FedEx place in the city, and then I would FedEx it to Los Angeles. And uh, I don't know, I was like probably maybe, I don't know, 28 years old, something like that. And I'll never forget that I had done all my, uh, sent everything out. I, I would go to the one drop-off place in a little storefront in Manhattan, and I would have all my tapes. My they're called, They were called three-quarter-inch tapes, and then eventually beta. And but they were when we first got this gig, they were big ass tapes, and I would be putting these in the packages, and I would lay them down on the floor. And I remember one time it was the winter; it was cold. I had a big winter coat on, and I'm writing all this stuff out for the editor back in Los Angeles. And then I would FedEx it all, and I would get it all. And on my way to the train station, I stopped in a bar because I had time to kill, and I sat at this bar. And at the time. There was a show on MTV, very popular, called Yo MTV Raps. And I sat at this bar and there was a brother sitting next to me and he looks up and he's like, it's Yo MTV Raps. And I'm just drinking my beer watching and he goes, LL Cool J. And like that was his idol. So I'm watching and LL Cool J's doing a, you know, he's introing a, a music video or something and blah, blah, blah. And then they came back and they did a little question and answer, maybe one or two questions, you know, a short segment. And I'm just sitting there. I'll never forget this. This has to be 30 years ago. And I'm sitting there and the interviewer asked LL, MTV asked LL Cool J, like, what's your advice, man? Like, how'd you make it? How'd you make it, LL Cool J? And he goes, when opportunity comes your way, you take it and you run with it. You crush it. You got to take advantage of your opportunity when it comes. That has stuck with me till now. And I'm still waiting for that opportunity. <laughs> uh, let me see. I don't want to go long here because that was a long uh, interview with the big O, but it was good. Here's something that I'm going to throw at you. Let's, let's, let's end it on this. I did a commercial. It hasn't aired yet. It's a national commercial. And it was on set at this kind of like a mansion on, uh, on the beach in, in is called Anna Marie Island. Okay. It's probably about an hour and a half from where I live here in Florida. And this production company, I won't tell you what the company is, what it was. I played a son uh, in this commercial and it was about a five hour shoot. Okay. We kept doing this one scene over and over and over and over and over and over. That's it. And I was telling someone that was there with me and there was another actress, uh, there on set with us. And I said, this is how movies are shot. You know, they have to get so many angles of one little tiny thing. You know, oh, we're going to move the cameras in here. Are we going to move it over here? We'll move it over here. And it was a really nice location. It was inside, but we ha I had to wear long sleeves and pants, and it was hot. That's the only thing, though. It was hot. And you got uh, makeup, and you're not, you can't sweat. And you got to look the same for all the, after five hours, I don't know what's going on with the air conditioning. I'm not complaining, but I'm just telling you this story. But here's what I want to bring up. I noticed when the call, the cruise sheet, the call sheet came out and one of the things on it said, it's a no phone set. While you are on set, 
in this home. And this was a big time production. This was a big crew, expensive equipment, the lighting, everything. It was top notch. This company spent a boatload of money for this commercial. And no one, here we are in 2021. I didn't, it didn't hit me until I was done. No one had their phone in downtime, uh, getting ready, blocking, uh, all that stuff. And then obviously the, the, the shoot, you know, itself, no one had their phone out. It was a no phone set when you when the set was in the house. There was two makeup artists that were up on the second floor, third floor. There was some catering in the kitchen. There was out in the patio downstairs. There was so there was like there had to be, I don't know, 20, 25 people on this uh, shoot. And no one had their phone for 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 five hours that I was there and they were there. The crew, it was probably like a 6 a.m. on on set. And then we left and then there were some other uh, actresses and coming in and they didn't have phones. No one had a phone and it was glorious. It was actually really cool. And if there was a little downtime, there was talk. It was unbelievable. So there is hope. (laughs) I just thought I'd bring that up. When are you at some place where there's a whole bunch of people in a big home and there's downtime and no one whips out their phone. I just came from the local Walmart here and this woman and her son, the kid was probably 13. She pulls right up in the no parking right next to the door and she parks herself right there in that car. The son is in the back seat. I went into Walmart. They were both boom down on their phones, not even looking up. I was in Walmart for 15 minutes. I came out, they were still, boom, buried in their phones, sitting in an old parking zone. And I'm like, look at that. You know, they don't even look up. And so it was just, it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure, 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 pleasure on a no phone set. All right, listen, have a great one. I'm working on something, something, little something, something for you. Uh, Subscribe, like, however you do it. Let's try to grow this bad boy. This is the Rock Stops here. I hope you have a great week. And if you get an opportunity, crush it. This is a Forking Around Town with Tracy Guida Quick Fix on Radio Influence. I'm really excited to have um, my friend Anthony back with us again today. He's been up to so many delicious things. Every time I watch his Instagram, I'm not only jealous, I'm licking my phone because all of his dishes always look incredible. Yeah, so I'm going to be providing a sensory deprivation dinner paired along with probably one of the best menus I've created thus far as far as just incorporating different flavors and different ethnic type dishes so i'm just trying to give everybody you know a different experience from you know their normal day-to-day dining where whether they go to meat market or you know um, applebee's or you know uh, carabas macaroni grill you know the chains or the local spots this will be an experience that you really can't experience on a daily basis or anywhere right now. I don't know if I'm going to do this again, honestly. I'm going to see how this goes. Uh, I don't even know if I'm going to do it again because I it's a lot of work. It's not easy. But I'm going to show you a glow-in-the-dark ice cream dessert dish on a bed of cotton candy. Literally, it's going to be beautiful. So, like, the last course, 
they will crack open the chocolate dome and then the ice cream will be glow in the dark. It'll be on cotton candy. It'll be like the little bit of light that they get to see at the end of the, the dinner, you know, because that's a long time, like throughout your whole dinner to be in complete pitch black. Definitely the different types of flavors that I incorporate into each dish is going to be super important for their experience as well. But it's truly a dark area. I'm not having like people wear blindfolds or candles up. I'm truly trying to make this a really great experience. Forking Around Town with Tracy Guida can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.